Hello, I'm Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I want to start this episode off by wishing you a happy new year. I hope 2019 is an incredible year for you. I know I am looking forward to this new year. It just represents a lot of different things, new beginnings, a chance just to put the past behind us and a fresh start. Um, and I'm excited um, to start off the new year with, a, with another episode of our podcast. Um, I'm extremely excited for you to hear from uh, my friend Jackson Mitchell. He's originally from uh, Southlake, Texas. He played for the famous Southlake Carroll Dragons, went on to play for the SMU Mustangs. Um, incredible story of, of uh, overcoming. He was a, well, you'll hear a lot about this um, in our conversation, but he goes from walk-on to the captain of the defense and earning a scholarship um, during his playing days. He's now a field consultant for 7-Eleven, um, going through their training program now, and um, he talks a little bit about that in our conversation. But most of all, he's a solid man of faith. So I'm excited for you to hear from Jackson. So let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jackson. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. I'm happy to be here. You bet. So I know there's some listeners who may not be familiar with your background. So let's just start with a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your family. I know you told me you were born in Anchorage, Alaska, moved to Las Vegas, then you ended up spending most of your life in South Lake, Texas. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so kind of been uh, on all sides of the map. I uh, was born in Anchorage, Alaska. Both my parents were military. Um, so they met up there and, and had me. I was there till I was two. Uh, we moved to Vegas. We were there for eight years. That's where my younger sister was born. It's just, just me and my younger sister. She's 19, a sophomore at the University of Arizona. Um, and then we moved to Boston from Vegas, so all the way across the country. Uh, parents didn't love it there, so we were there for about eight months. Um, and then came came down to South Lake, Texas, where I, you know, I say I'm a Texan. I say I grew up in South Lake. So I was 10 years old, um, moved down here, and, um, you know, that's that's when kind of the whole football thing came into to the picture. You know, before football, I was playing a little bit of lacrosse, baseball, basketball, kind of a little bit of everything. But I remember we came down to Texas, and, um, you know, you, you hear about Texas high school football, and it sounds kind of like, oh, no way it could be that serious. But, you know, pretty quickly after we moved down here, we figured out that Texas high school football really was a religion. And uh, that's kind of how I got involved in the game. So what was it like? Um, I mean, South Lake is not just any Texas high school football town. So what was it like growing up in South Lake? Because I know when my son was in first grade, just flag football, I remember playing against South Lake. I mean, it is a, it's a culture. No doubt. Yeah, so I didn't play football in Boston, but I did play in Vegas briefly. And I can remember it being so unorganized, and it was kind of just like a bunch of little kids running around, and there was no real structure to it. And I remember, you know, even at the age of 10, I can remember this. We'd come down and, you know, decide to play, and there was like a like a draft um, of kids, mm-hmm. and, you know, the city of South Lake, I think, is pretty well connected, and so people know other people and know the children and yeah. things of that nature. And so it literally was a draft where you know these dads and grown men were drafting these ten-year-old kids um, to be on their peewee football team. And I was on you know Dragon Gold my first year of playing football down here, and um, my second year, my dad was the coach with with one of our great family friends, um, and I was on Dragon Blue and. It, it truly was like this big process to get drafted on the team and you're playing uh, against other cities and just just kind of crazy um, really when I look back at it I mean it's like holy cow um, you go from this zero structure at all to a collegiate league of peewee football players yeah, absolutely um, <laughs> yeah um, and so that that was very um, pretty crazy and then of course you know I go up through middle school and you have the the A, B and the C team and you mm-hmm. go up to <clears throat> high school where in South Lake everybody goes to the Carroll High School and then the Carroll Senior High School whereas like towns like Keller um, you got Fossil Ridge right. uh, Keller this and that um, so everybody's there together and you got the freshman team you got JV Black you got JV Green varsity I mean there's just so many levels to it um, and it's pretty crazy and uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I no, can you're compare good. it to my college experience but I remember from South Lake Carroll Senior High School football to, you know, my first couple years at SMU, I was almost like 
is this really what college football is supposed to be like? Because it was it was almost not as crazy as my high school football mm-hmm. experience was. So, you know, playing football for the Carroll Dragons was uh, was definitely a, a big deal. Um, and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get a state ring my junior year and be part of a, a state championship team, which was, you know, an incredible experience. Um, you know, it, it was it was it's it's funny to look back at pictures and see you know i'm bald now but i had a blonde mohawk at one point in time so um you know all the designs in our hair and you know we talk about protect the tradition and team me and i mean the stuff is like something out of a movie um and so it was really really cool to be a part of that and to really start learning about value the values of like work ethic and discipline and commitment accountability Mm -hmm. things like that really from a pretty young age um because it it's treated very seriously because it's you know it's taken seriously in the city so um and you know obviously in texas overall but just great place to grow up you know the football standpoint was amazing um you know great public school system i tell people all the time i don't think there was a better place for me to grow up you know i just kind of on a light note you mentioned the the blind mohawk i was mm-hmm. looking at pictures from uh two weekends ago where they played duncanville in the playoffs mm-hmm. and you see how the, they still do the blind yep it's like so uh and then you know and i live in coppell so coppell south like has a <laughs> has a pretty um deep rooted rivalry and yeah. i and I, I remember a lot of that and watching south lake from from the coppell side and mm-hmm. lots of tradition Lots of winning. Yeah. You, know, you were there from what 2011, 2013, and right. had some phenomenal teams. Yeah, yeah. So before we get too far into sports, let's just hit uh, quickly about your faith, if yeah. you don't mind, and then Absolutely. we'll transition back to faith. But did you grow up was you know in a family of faith, and then at what point did you go? You know what? It's it's something I need to own my own personal life. Yeah. So definitely grew up in a family of faith, and you know as I <clears throat> as I thought about this question. And really tried to remember from when I was super young, um, you know, I don't I don't have a ton of memories from, you know, really before the age of 10 mm-hmm. of actually being like, you know, in a church um, and not to say that going to church, it means that you're, you know, a Christian or whatever the case may be. But I don't remember my church home in Vegas or in um Boston or, of course, Alaska. You know, I was two mm-hmm. years old. I do remember in Vegas, I went to Cornerstone Christian Academy. So I was in a Christian school. You know, we were doing Bible study classes. So I was, you know, always, faith was always something in my life mm-hmm. from the time I was born. My parents, you know, my mom was raised Catholic, dad raised Baptist. Um, and now, you know, we're, we are members of a non-denominational mm-hmm. Christian church. So um, faith has always been important to our family. Um and I do. I remember, like when I came to. Well, let me let me back up. So when we moved to South Lake, um, Gateway Church was open on South Lake Boulevard, and mm-hmm. it was this. You know, it was a good sized church. It wasn't huge, um, but I remember we started going there, and I think I was baptized pretty soon after moving to Texas because I, I know I was baptized in Texas, so probably ten or eleven years old when that happened. Um, you know, we were members of Gateway and watched that church develop and grow and into what it is today, which is, you know, this huge church. Unbelievable. Of 114. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, got all these campuses all over the place. And uh, it's been pretty special to watch that happen. And now to be living in Dallas and have a campus out here that's been open for a couple of years has been awesome for me because, uh, you know, in college I was searching for that church home, but nothing ever really felt just right. Mm-hmm. And, you know. You know, thankfully to God, they decided to uh, open a gateway campus in Dallas. Um, but yeah, faith faith was always part of my life. You know, your question about when did it really, you know, when did I really take ownership of it? You know, I mentioned I was baptized mm-hmm. at 10 or 11. And I think a lot of kids were probably in the same boat that I was in, which is like, I knew that baptism was an important symbol of something. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't fully understand what it really meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to get baptized, but it was because I knew that, okay, baptism, thumbs up, that's a good thing. Yeah. You, you want to be baptized. At 10 years old, I didn't understand, <clears throat> you know, you're washed clean and, you know, kind of maybe not restarting, but, you know, just, just giving yourself all the way to God. Um, and so I was baptized and then, you know, grew up uh, this and that. But I think that, when when do I feel like I most kind of took ownership of it was probably in college, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I 
I mentioned faith always being a part of my life. It was. I've always leaned on the Lord, prayed, read my Bible and things like that. But I think in college and really, I guess, probably my senior year of high school because I was making the decision about, you know, where am I supposed to go to college? I remember leaning on the Lord a ton when I was trying to figure all that out. And then there were definitely some trials and tribulations throughout college that I, of course, leaned on the Lord a lot. And he showed me a lot of things. And, um, you know, there there are those moments where, like, you might be trying so hard to do things the right way um, with regard to faith or, you know, whatever you might be trying to do. But then the Lord shows you something. And I remember multiple occasions where, you know, I was really focused and um, show, I guess I'm, I'm thinking how to say it. Um, I had intent on doing things mm-hmm. a certain way and God spoke to me um, more so than I had ever been spoken to by him before. And, and I know for me, like, I never really understood, okay, am I, when I pray, am I supposed to hear a voice talking right back to me in that moment? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to really just have a, like a one-on-one conversation with the Lord when I'm praying or what is that supposed to look mm-hmm. like? Cause I know everybody's different in that regard. Um, but the Lord spoke to me through other people on several occasions where I was like, okay, like this is what I need. Like yeah. I, I need the affirmation. I need, I need to talk to you, um, to the Lord. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but the point is, I think in college and even into my young adulthood now has been, um, you know, when I've most been ingrained in my mm-hmm. faith. That's good. So you mentioned a few minutes ago going on to play college ball at SMU. Mm-hmm. Talk about that recruiting process, because I know you had an offer um, to go to the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Correct. But then you chose to walk on at SMU. So what, what made you stay home in Dallas and do the walk on route? Yeah, so my uh, my recruiting process kind of kicked off at the end of my sophomore year of high school. Um, I started to get a lot of mail from some pretty pretty decent sized schools. You know, I had I was getting mail from Baylor, Iowa, Kansas. I mean, some some solid schools, and I was like, man, like this is really a you know legitimate possibility for me to go play some big time college ball, and. So, like I said, that was that was spring ball sophomore year, and um, it kind of slowed down my junior year. I didn't play as much as I thought I was going to. Uh, I had a, a banged up ankle at one point in time, and it just kind of mm-hmm. slowly fizzled off. Um, you know, people people are starting to recruit early these days. Oh yeah, like very early. I mean, yeah. even even in middle school, in some situations. So my recruiting kind of slowed down. Um, and I wasn't some, you know, 6'6", 250-pound high schooler who, right. who looked like he was ready for the league. Um, but so it slowed down, and I started to, you know, I continued to get mail from smaller schools. Like there was a school called Stony Brook. I think it was up in the Northeast, mm-hmm. uh, like a D3 school and some smaller schools like that. And, um, yeah, so I got, a, I got an offer from the Air Force Academy my senior year. Um, and I was absolutely thrilled, you know, that, that was, you know, my dream was to go play college ball and that was my first opportunity that I knew was a done deal. Um, so I was obviously super, super grateful for that. Um, so I had that offer and then I had another offer from, uh, Stephen F. Austin down in, mm-hmm. I think Nacogdoches. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, looking at both those opportunities, you know, you have Stephen F. Austin, which is great school, D1 AA program, I think. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think a pretty good program for, for football. Um, but, you know, my dream was to always play D1 football, you know, and, and D1 AA is great, and um, there's great talent in that league, but I, I wanted to play just pure D1. Uh-huh. And then so you look at the Air Force Academy opportunity, which, again, great opportunity, great education. You set yourself up with a career. Um, you know, you're serving our country. Um, but, you know, when I looked at that opportunity – there were several things that came into play, you know, and it was, do I really want to be in the military? Mm. Um, you know, is the load of student athlete and, um, you know, military personnel, is that something that I want to balance? And is that a place I want to be? You know, I visited Colorado Springs. It was a gorgeous campus and I, I loved the campus. That was something that I really was wanting to find in a school was a beautiful campus. And, it had those things, but my head was if I'm not committed to the, um, you know, the military mm. commitment, then this is not going to be a good fit. And I think, you know, I've seen people who have gone that route and very quickly learned that that is not the route they wanted to take and, and ended up leaving. And, um, you know, I, 
I really didn't want to do that. And it was, you know, it was interesting because like I mentioned earlier, both my parents were military. And so, you know, regardless of where the offer came from, they would be thrilled that I got an offer. But the fact that it came from a military academy, of course, they were like, oh, my gosh, our son's going to be in the military, too. Like, this is great. Yada, yada, yada. Um, But, you know, my parents ultimately support me regardless of the decision uh-huh. I made. Um, and, you know, after, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of prayer, a lot of conversations with them, some hard conversations with them, um, you know, decided that the Air Force Academy probably wasn't the best fit for me. And, and then that, at that point in time, it became, all right, well, you know, we're going to try to find you an opportunity. And, and so, you know, I love my dad to death. He he sent my film probably to every school in the country. I mean, it was going to, from USC to Minnesota to, I mean, Iowa, you, you name a school that probably got my film. Um, and sure enough, you know, the SMU defensive coordinator at the time called and said, hey, you know, we don't have any more scholarships, but we would love to have Jackson uh, join the team as a preferred walk-on. He'd, ha- he'd have the opportunity to get on the field early if he came here. Um, you know, if you guys are interested, you should come down and check out campus. And, you know, we went down there, and, and I, I laughed to myself about it because – while I was at South Lake Carroll playing, we played at SMU mm-hmm. on several occasions mm-hmm. during the playoffs. Um, but I never really looked at the campus. Right. And, you know, down the road, decided to, to go there. And I think SMU's campus is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it is one of the nicest. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that it had what I wanted in that regard. Um, great education at SMU. Uh, phenomenal education. You know, here in Dallas, um, you know, growing up in South Lake, 25, 30 minutes up the road from SMU. Um, you know, when I was looking at schools, I didn't really take that into account. I thought I'd be fine wherever I went. But mm-hmm. when I look back at it, I think for me, being close to home was one of the biggest things um, that, you know, contributed to my success because I remember one one time in particular, my freshman year, I was struggling. And just to have the proximity to home for my mm-hmm. parents to literally come down on a Wednesday night and bring me Chipotle and just talk for an hour, a couple hours was was huge for me um, because that that transition from high school to college wasn't just seamless even though I was 35 minutes up the road so um, yeah you know came down visited SMU Um, did I feel like I fell in love with it nah I don't know about that but did I feel like this is the best opportunity um, that's presented itself to me yeah absolutely and uh, you know five five and a half almost six years later I did fall in love with SMU and I, I think that I don't I don't think that there's a better place for me to have gone and played. Mm. Yeah. So you go from walk on to uh, a captain right. of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I enjoy um, ESPN showing the videos of the way coaches reward scholarships. Yeah. And so um, I found yours on YouTube. Yeah. And so um, and if you're listening, the link is in the will be in the um, episode notes, so you can you can go watch it. But Talk about kind of walk the listeners through that moment. You're in the team meeting meeting room, and the coach at the time is Chad Morris, mm-hmm. and you know, and he sets it up, and then ultimately announces your scholarship. Then you make the phone call right. home. Just kind of walk through that, so the listeners kind of get a picture of that. Yeah. So <laughs> this this was a was an incredible experience, and it's it's hard to put into words the. Uh, the impact it made on my life, my family's life, um, just, you know, words, words can't really explain how great of a feeling it was. And I'm, you know, grateful to, to coach Morris and his staff, coach Mac for, you know, giving me that opportunity and and doing that for me. Um, but to, to give a little backstory that you might not see in the video, you know, Mm -hmm. it's during fall camp and during fall camp, you know, we are up at the facilities all day, every day, um, it's just you and your teammates, your coaches, you're having meetings, you're having treatment, you're, um, you're just hanging out. And so we were, I was in the locker room with several of my teammates, uh, a couple of them who were captains at that time. This was, this was my junior year. Um, and, you know, we're, we're laying there in between meetings. And Coach comes into the locker room and, and grabs a couple of those older guys and is like, hey, can y'all come talk to me for a minute? And so they they go out of the room and of course everybody else is like, you know, what's going on? What, what could they possibly be talking mm-hmm. about? And they're not supposed to tell us, but of course they come back in and we're like, yo, what, what was going on just then? And they're like, yeah, man, 
somebody snuck into Coach Morris's office and stole this and that. They broke in. <clears throat> and so it's buzzing, buzzing through the facility that there was a break in and that they think it was somebody on the team, but they don't know who. And everybody's talking, just chatter and chatter and chatter and trying to figure out, okay, who do we think could have potentially done this? Like, there's no way somebody on the team would, would steal from Coach, this and that. So everybody's just going crazy. Um, and so we go, we go to meetings and, you know, because we're not supposed to know, everybody's kind of playing it off and, you know, coach starts talking and he's like, man, um, and you'll see in the video, if you watch, he's like, man, it, it, it breaks my heart to, to even think that one of our own would, you know, go in my office and take something, you know, he's talking about how the stuff isn't expensive and this and that, but it holds sentimental value. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) I remember being like, whoa like this is crazy and and really like just having no clue who it could have been um and he stops talking and he takes again he takes the captains out into the hallway and there's a police officer so we're we're like this is a hollywood movie like what's going on like there's a cop outside like something crazy is happening um and so he comes back in and he's like you know i got a list here of all the things that you that was were taken from my office and you know to be honest, me, I'm fully waiting to hear like what's going on. Like I'm not suspicious that this is a like some kind of setup at all. I'm like, what what could possibly have been taken? It did. I mean, I don't. I wasn't there for the back. I wasn't there. Yeah. Didn't know the backstory, <laughs> but it's very well done. I'll yeah. say that. No, it's very well done. Kudos to coach. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So they, <clears throat> you know, he comes in. And he he pulls out a a list, and he says. Um, you know, he pauses and he's like, you know, he, he's acting like he's real emotional about what's taken. And he says, you know, Garrett Kerstich, you're on scholarship. And that was a, you know, a fifth year senior quarterback who, you know, worked his tail off his whole time at SMU. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a friend of mine to this day, you know. And like I said, he was a fifth year senior who had given his all to the program. And so to see him rewarded a scholarship um, after those five years was was just an incredible experience. You know, when you see one of your brothers rewarded for all the hard work they put in, that's something that, you know, it, it warms your heart because, you know, you spend all your time with these people. Like, that becomes your family. And so mm-hmm. <clears throat> was just thrilled for Stitch. Um, you know, and, and just to be honest, at the same time, I'm like, man, like, I wanted that scholarship. Yeah, so, what about me? Right, and so I thought, you know, okay, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled for my boy. Um and, and coach says, okay, uh, next up we're going to go to special teams meetings. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to just keep working. Um, and he says, oh, but first I got another letter. And sure enough, he says, you know, Jackson Mitchell, you're going to get a reward of the scholarship. And I just remember, like, my heart just, like, dropped um, out of, like, shock, out of, like, thank God. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, huge. This is, this is like, like I mentioned earlier, it's a life-changing Experience. I mean, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know already, SMU is not necessarily a cheap institution. <laughs> yeah, so, not the, cheap, yeah, yeah, not the so, cheapest college around. Right. So it was just like I knew the impact that not only that it had on me because I no longer had to worry about, you know, am I going to get this scholarship? But I knew the impact that it had on my family. Right. Um, on my mom and dad who have worked so incredibly hard to be able to even put me in the position I'm in today. Um, you know, at that time, I, I was just like, I couldn't put it into words. Um, and then to get that paper and to sign it and to be, you know, when it was announced to be celebrated by my brothers, like the room, you know, kind of erupts and everybody's, you know, rubbing my shoulders and shaking me around. And it's like, man, like, this is an incredible feeling. Um, and then, yeah, so my, my parents and my sister, they were in, I think they were in San Francisco at the time on a little summer vacation. Um, and, I FaceTimed them. They were walking through the parking garage at the airport. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in the team meeting room right now. And I just want to let you guys know I got put on scholarship. And then, you know, of course, to to hear them hmm. yelling and excitement and just to know, like I mentioned, the impact that that had on them. And, you know, not only were they thrilled from the standpoint of like, hey, his school is free now. Yeah. But also from the standpoint of like. You know, our baby boy is finally being rewarded for mm. the hard work he's put in work, and yeah. for the, you know, for what he's done for the team, this and that. I um, mean, I, you know, I say that humbly, but they, they just, it was a, an experience that is really hard to, to put into words. You know, I can tell the story of how it happened, but the way I felt mm. um, is 
pretty special. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, obviously never experienced it myself, but, um, you know, seeing those stories year after year, you can, right. and, and knowing the cost of college, yep. knowing the time that athletes put in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they say, uh, they say it's a full-time job and it legitimately is. I mean, coach Morris told us, I think it's like, you know, however many years you spend in a, not like an eight to five job in a year, an eight hour a day job, 40 hour a week, it's the same for, you know, our required meetings, um, practice, and then like, you know, basically everything that's required of us. Mm-hmm. But then if you take somebody who is doing extra stuff, it's a full-time job and then some. And so, um, you know, student athletes are pretty, I, I say are special people to be able to, uh, to balance all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a special thing that I don't know if everybody can truly fathom, um, but yeah, it was incredible. So outside of that moment, mm-hmm. is there, um, you know, is there that special moment or any other moments that stand out to you, whether it's something with the team or something on the field? Yeah, you know, I um, I have so many great memories um, from from my time at SMU, and I could talk about it for days, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, my journey to go, you know, walk on and. I was able to get on the field some as a true freshman and, you know, to be honest, I think, you know, I walked away from the game after my senior year and I walked away with no regret. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was so, I was ready to be done. Um, And I think part of the reason why I felt that way is because I felt like what I accomplished while in school was more than I thought I could have Mm. when I first stepped foot on campus, you know. The stigma of a walk-on might be, okay, well, they're not very good. They're mm-hmm. a walk-on. Um, but, you know, I was able to play as a true freshman and play as a sophomore. And, um, you know, I, I split time the first half of the season my junior year and then became a starter midway through my, ju- my junior year and, um, you know, was a captain my senior year. And I think the biggest thing that, that really meant the most to me was my senior year, you know, I was elected to be a captain, which, like I said, I never, you know, when I came there, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go try my best and, you know, hope for the best. But I didn't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to be a team captain mm-hmm. when this is all said and done. But, um, you know, I, I was able to do that. And I think the biggest thing was I took a trip to uh, Rhode Island with Coach Morris, his wife, Matt Davis, who's our quarterback, Justin Lawler, who... Uh, was a defensive lineman of ours. He's now on the Rams. And Cortland Sutton, who was a wideout mm-hmm. of ours with the Broncos now. And, you know, we were all four captains. Matt is one of my brothers. Um, and to go to media day, you know, you had to be voted on by mm-hmm. the team. And so, you know, when I got selected for that, I was like, man, like, it was just I felt I felt so respected, not only from my ability standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint. You know, they're not just sending you to media day you know, for, for no particular reason. And so just for, you know, for me to really feel like everything that I had done over the past three years, uh, three and a half years from the time I got there had been recognized and, um, was paying off in a sense, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily just need recognition to, to feel good, but to know like, Hey, you know, people, people really respect you and value what you bring to the table. Um, I think that moment was where I really felt like, man, like I'm in a, an incredible position um, and just, just so blessed. I posted a picture on Instagram when we were in um, Rhode Island, just thankful to God. Like my caption was something about I'm so thankful to be here, like because that's something that, you know, you dream of, like a dream right. that you don't necessarily know. OK, is this actually something that's reasonable? Um, and your dreams might not always be reasonable, but that doesn't mean they're not achievable. Um, and so. Yeah, to, to do to do that, um, that was amazing for me. Obviously, scholarship was a highlight. Um, there are a couple plays that stick out in my head where I felt like they were a highlight, but definitely going to media day my senior year was like a huge, huge moment for me. Yeah. So, I mean, even going back to South Lake, because you played on some incredible teams there, mm-hmm. is there a, a memory on the field or – a special teammate that just really stands out across my whole career. Yeah. Um, honestly, um, I think if I could pick a teammate that stands out, his name's Troy Castle, 
and that is my roommate today. Um, mm. And you know, he's a couple years older than me, and we are, you know, essentially cut from the same cloth. You know, both come from great families. Um, we both walked on at SMU. We both got put on scholarship at wow. the same point in our careers. And like I said, he's a couple years older than me, so his his story was unfolding, um, you know, in front of my eyes. And you know, there's one memory that that sticks out in my head with Troy, which you know I've told we talk about it from time to time. Is that I remember my true freshman year. You know, we had played the season, and you know it's Christmas break, and I was at our our local middle school field you know working out and he's from you know he's up in Washington at the time that's where he went to high school and so he's up in Washington I'm back I'm down here in South Lake and I was working out and I go back to my phone when I'm done and and I had a text from him and he asked me you know you know what are you up to bro and I'm like you know I'm a freshman at the time I'm thinking why is this older dude hitting me up like yeah (laughs) like he like why does he care what I'm doing um and so, of course, you know, I hit him back and was like, man, I'm working out. What are you up to? And he's doing the same thing. Um, you know, both walk-ons who are, you know, paying for school, but we're working out on our own time. And, um, you know, that exchange led to a like, hey, let's let's hang out when we get back. And then that's kind of when our friendship kicked off. And now, I mean, that's my best friend. Um, oh. So the impact that he's had on my life, not only from a just a brother teammate standpoint, but he's also a man of God. And. Um, you know, he's somebody who I can look up to in that regard. Um, he's just truly, truly, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. That is the iron that sharpens my iron. That's that's my dog. So um, teammate, brother that I'm super thankful for there. Um, so that's that's who I would highlight if I got to highlight a teammate. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a disappointment or a challenge from your career that just stands out? High school, yeah. college? Yeah. So... Um, a couple, a couple, honestly, um, my, you know, of course the slowing down of my recruiting process in mm-hmm. high school was, was really tough. And, you know, I felt like I should have been playing a lot more my junior year. I think everybody always feels like they should play more, but mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, I definitely wanted to be playing more. I wanted to show what I could do. I felt like I would have more opportunities if I was on the field and, um, you know, you really have to humble yourself and kind of trust the process and and stay committed to it and you have to know kind of what your goal is and and realize that you can make it happen regardless of how you get there like if you want something then you have the ability to make it happen and the path might not always be straight from point a to point b it might have some ups and downs but if you stay committed to it you can make it happen um and so just to kind of stick to my process during that time you know continue to work out the way i did continue to study film um continue to just do the same things to do the right things that i know were the right things Mm. regardless of the circumstance um was a challenge especially at that age because i think you know my junior year i'm 16 17 like it's it's not easy for a kid to wrap their head around that kind of thing always absolutely Um, so that was a challenge and then you know like i mentioned earlier when i came to smu my freshman year you know i thought i thought i wanted to study um medicine so I'm in 18 hours of classes. Oof. I'm a student athlete, and I don't know how to balance everything. And I was completely and utterly overwhelmed. Um, and just learning how to prioritize and learning how to manage my time, you know, was a was a long, long process. And to be honest, I mean, there were times where I was like, "Man, do I even want to play football?" Like, yeah, I'm is so, it worth it? Right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm sore. My shoulders hurt. Like. Um, School's kicking my butt. I'm like, man, I don't, is this is this really worth it? And on top of that, I'm doing it for free. They're not they're not paying for any of this. This is I'm 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 paying to do this. right. I'm <laughs> sacrificing my body, my time, my energy, my potential grade point average. Like <clears throat> all of this, I'm sacrificing to play this game that is, you know, what's it giving back to me? Essentially, mm. again, you know, I'm young at that time and I don't understand the you know now that I'm 24 and I look back at that time, I couldn't really process and understand the lessons that I would learn and the things that I would take from the game of football. So, um, you know, I, I truly was like on the verge of not playing football anymore. And, um, you know, obviously I decided to continue playing, but I think that was another moment where you really had to kind of hunker down and, and realize like, Hey, what am I doing this for? Like, why am I doing this? And just continue to stick to that process. Um, but 
yeah, I think I think those were the two toughest times. Mm-hmm. Um, was just when the recruiting slowed down, and then when I, I kind of. I think I guess I would call it the unknown. You yeah, know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to play. I didn't know if I was going to get a scholarship. I didn't know. I just didn't know. I didn't know what my grades were going to look like. There was so much unknown at the time that it was hard to just stay the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think staying the course is incredibly important, no matter what you're doing. Um, right. And so you know, looking back now, I definitely definitely realized that, and am thankful to God that I did not walk away from the game because you know. I mean, who knows where I would be if I didn't have the game. Hmm. Wow. So life after football Mm. and SMU, I mentioned in the intro that you now work for 7-Eleven. So talk, what's your role there? Yeah, so my role at 7-Eleven is called a field consultant. And I'm in a training program right now, but essentially what the role is is a business consultant for franchise owners and store managers. So 7-Eleven set up to where, you know, an individual can come and partner with the company to buy their own business and then run their own business. Well, Mm -hmm. my job is essentially to work with that franchise owner to help them maximize their business. So, you know, there's several things that we're trying to do from a corporate standpoint. Um, and part of the franchise owner agreeing to, um, you know, buy this store and run this store is that they have to do certain things a certain way. Um, you know, it is their business at the end of the day, but, they have to operate, you know, ethically and, and do things the right way. And so right now in my training program, I am essentially learning how to do everything that goes on in a 7-Eleven store from, um, you know, cleaning the restroom to cooking the food, to stocking the shelves, to ordering inventory, to um, forecasting for food sales, to, you know, hiring and firing. I mean, literally everything that goes into the wow. operation of running a 7-Eleven convenience store is what I'm doing right now. Um, and it's a, it's a long program and there's several other phases. Um, but when I get out on the other side, I will have 10 to 12 stores that I kind of, I don't manage them, but I kind of oversee them and work with their managers and franchise owners to make sure that they're, um, you know, maximizing sales and profit and things of that nature. So it's a, it's a really awesome opportunity. That's awesome. So do you feel like football helped prepare just from the team aspect? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I'm, you know, I mentioned that I don't manage these franchise owners or these store managers, and so it, it is a team effort. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I talk to a franchisee um, and they don't understand, you know, X, Y, and Z, but I can speak to them and explain to them why this might be the best thing to do um, from a strategy perspective or you know, if you do, if you tweak this and this, you're going to make X amount more money. Mm. And I can speak to them from a place of, oh, he's done this. He understands it. And now all he wants to do is help me make the most money possible and run my business the right way. Then when you have that team, that teammate kind of relationship, then, you know, they're bought in and they understand why they're doing things. And not only that, but I mean, you know, having these franchise owners and these different people I'm working with, I mean, everybody's from a different background Mm. and that is like spot on with football. I mean, I, I was in the locker room at SMU with, you know, people who came from great backgrounds who, um, you know, went to great schools who had both parents in the picture. And then I had teammates who had both parents in jail who, um, you know, didn't grow up in the greatest place. Um, you know, and, to be able to see, um, you know, people from all different backgrounds come together for one common goal, um, you know, regardless of race, regardless of um, where you grew up and how much money your family had, regardless of anything, you know, you're, you're working to achieve a common goal. And I would say it's the same thing now. I mean, today where I'm at in the training store, I'm working with um, a lot of Ethiopian people. Um, some some Chinese people and they're you know from that country and so you 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 know at the end of the day you're working to achieve the same thing and so none of that matters um, mm. and you know even if you weren't it wouldn't matter but my point is you learn how to work with different people from different backgrounds and you know put all things aside um, in order to achieve one common thing and that's that's, awesome. that's exactly what a team is that's awesome and you pretty much answered the next question was about 
Um, sports being that one of few things in the world that can that can unite. Mm-hmm. People don't see race. People don't see background. Don't see social economic status. Right. Um, so you you pretty much um, answered that question, but also. Um, I think it's a picture of the church, the big C, right? I mean, that's the yep. way God's designed the church is that mm-hmm. we don't see that stuff. Right. So um, is there, I mean, you may have already answered it, but is there a an, an example from football, from SMU? You said you had those different teammates that you can remember that, you know, in the locker room, you may see some division, but once you get in that locker room, mm-hmm. people just put that aside. Yeah. No, it's uh... – it was funny, you know, because I, growing up in South Lake, you know, the area I would say is predominantly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming to SMU, and I remember I had some teammates who grew up in Houston in the hood, and they would constantly say, Oh, you're white, you're white, you're white. Mm. And like, Yeah, I'm half white, I am, my dad's white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm 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 hearing this and I'm like you know are you are you trying to insult me or what you know what are you trying to say here I don't know um, and you know as time passed that that removed from the picture and I think that's because you know they probably saw a new person who you know they didn't know if they were gonna like and so they figured okay I'm gonna you know just mess with this dude and see how he reacts whatever it doesn't matter the point is by the end of my career like those are my buddies those are my mm-hmm. boys and they, they don't care that I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and I had a great public or yeah I went to a great public school this and that it didn't matter because again you know we're a team like we're trying to accomplish a goal together we're working out together we're blood sweat and tears together like it doesn't matter where you're from you know you're, you're trying to achieve the same thing um, and so I definitely experienced that a pretty good amount early on um, and it you know it went away but that that was that was a thing. There was the division, um, but then you know, like you asked them and have said, you come together when you're in the locker room, and all that doesn't matter. All that matters is okay. You need to do your responsibility on this play. I'm gonna do mine, and together we're gonna make the tackle. You know, I'm a def- I was a defensive player, so together we're gonna make the tackle. We're gonna make the stop. We're gonna get the ball back to the offense. Whatever it might have been, um, it all went out the window. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool how God's put you in a place now with Seven Eleven to where those experiences. Um, come into play and you can probably better deal with what you're going through versus someone who doesn't have that background. Right. That's awesome. How God can use the background and to use it to where we are. So a lot of our listeners um, are student athletes, um, coaches even. So I'm going to ask you to offer some advice or encouragement to to one or some of them. Um, You know, it's not... You know, you went to public school, so you so you understand this. It's not the easiest time to be bold for your faith right now mm-hmm. um, in, in the school. So what would you say to a student athlete or even a coach that is a believer but struggling with that boldness aspect? How would you encourage them? You know, I would say don't don't struggle with it. Don't uh, mm. Don't be hesitant. I mean, the reality is, like, if I, if I just think about it, I mean— all it takes is is for you to not, I don't even want to say you have to share your testimony, but like just tell one person um, about the Lord or mm. tell one person about one experience you had. I mean, people people are naive to what they don't know and what they've never been exposed to. I know like like I mentioned earlier, you know, I've had some experiences where, you know, I might have been praying really hard for a sign of something or, you know, really wanting to hear God talk to me. Um, and thinking it might come a certain way um, and it didn't come that way and I'm like man like I don't know like what, what do I have to do what do I have to do um, but God God's timing is perfect timing and I know right. you know we've we've all heard that saying and you know but it's not a cliche it's just it's purely a fact um, and like you know like I mentioned the times that God's really just shown me something through whether through an individual or through something on the street I mean it could have been through anything but it's it's always been perfect timing um and you know like Stuart said it it might be hard to um you know really be outward with your faith at a young age whether public system or whatever the case may be but you should not have any hesitance or shame um 
to to represent the Lord and to to follow the Lord, chase after the Lord. I mean, I think when I think about one person who stands out to me from my high school is my buddy Connor Combs, who hmm. he I've never seen somebody run so fearlessly toward the Lord from the time I've known him. I, I, I kid you not, from the time we were young kids, this dude has been about his faith and to this day continues to live the same way. And I've seen, I've seen many blessings, um, you know, over this man. And it's not, it's not just by chance that he has, you know, had the success in his athletics career in his now professional career that he's had, you know, it's not, it's not by chance. It's because he's doing everything the right way. Um, and so, and other people see that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Not, you know, maybe he's not out there preaching, but yeah. just by the way he's living and yeah. teammates notice. Yeah, and and that's a good point. It's it's not even necessarily that you have to go tell ten people about God and be, um, you know, obnoxious in someone's face about it because that can turn people away right, very absolutely. quickly if they feel like, oh, this person, all he ever talks about is how you know Jesus this, Jesus that, God this, God that. But you can live your life a certain way, and you can do the right things, and you can show people the right way to live. Um, and and like I'm speaking about Connor, I mean, people are drawn to that. People want to follow that. Mm-hmm. People see, okay, why is it that this guy is so great? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's because he's doing everything the right way. Or even somebody like that, that when they go through adversity, they handle it the right way. Right. And then if I'm going through adversity, I'm going to go seek out a guy like Connor. Exactly. Go, hey, man, I need, you know. Right. Like Connor will send me a passage, you know, of scripture with a, with a little paragraph, you know, weekly or, you know, it might not necessarily be weekly, but, you know, I'll get a text from out of the random and it'll be a passage and it's like, man, like I needed that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's spot on for something I'm going through right now. That's awesome. And like, I'm just thankful for a friend like that. I, I have, I have a handful of friends like that. My other friend, Matt Davis, who I mentioned earlier, the same way. I mean that my friends who, you know, I have great friends who I can talk about sports with. I have mm-hmm. great friends who I can talk about, um, you know, work with. I have I have great friends, but um, those friends that I can really just talk about faith with and get deep into it mm-hmm. with, it's like, it's just a different level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, to the question, don't be hesitant, you know, don't get caught up in um, some of those peer pressures of high school because, man, I know there's tons. I know there's tons, and that's a time in your life where you're trying to figure out which direction you want to go. Um but, you know, you, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. And, and don't be scared to say no to something or say yes to something because you feel like somebody might look at you a certain way. Mm, you know, you, that's good. You need to do things because you know they're right and because you know it's best for you as an individual. Um, and just just really take take the reins of your life, of your journey in, in the regard to faith, in regard to athletics, in regard to academics, just in regard to everything. You know, you one thing that I firmly believe is that regardless of where you're from, regardless of um, who you you know who you are what, what your color your skin is I firmly believe that you control um, your destiny you know you you have the power to make choices um, and your choices are what puts you in every position you're in on a day-to-day basis so you know just look at my story if I would have decided okay I'm not getting really recruited heavily right now I'm gonna go start doing all these different things doing the wrong things and you know, would I have had the same opportunity to go walk on at SMU and get a great education and, um, you know, end up in the position I'm in today? Or, you know, what I what if I decided to um, decided to quit football? You know, mm-hmm. all these choices you make are going to result in an outcome, um, you know, and, and get you to where you end up. And so stick to stick to what you believe and don't let anybody, um, you know, influence your choices in a, in a negative direction. That's awesome. That's a good word. So I'm going to close with one, one final question. Is there a, you know, some people say they have a life verse. Is there a favorite scripture or maybe one that God has, you know, used in your life just, just recently? Yeah, I think uh, there's no doubt about it that Philippians 4.13 is uh, is my, my go-to verse. It's been a verse that I have grown up on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and I think my journey speaks to it uh, mm-hmm. for me you know I 
I didn't get to the position I'm in. I didn't achieve what I was able to achieve by chance. You know, I've mentioned several things today that didn't happen by chance. And I think without God, definitely would not have been doing any of the things I've been able to accomplish. Um, and so that that verse has always been prominent in my life. You know, I have a I have a placard in my apartment that says it. Um, it's you know, I have a tattoo of it on my back. Like it's, it's, uh, that's my verse. And then, um, uh, Psalm 23, four is another one. You know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Um, and that's another one because, you know, I mentioned the ups and downs. There's been a lot of dark days, a lot of gloomy days, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I've been able to make it out on the other side and, you know, not every day is perfect today by any means, but, I know that with my Savior, I can get through anything that comes my way. Um, and he's going to be there to guide me. So uh, those are those are probably my two top verses. That's awesome. I was talking to uh, somebody recently and asked that same question. Psalm 23, what was one of the first ones out of their mouth? And Philippians 4.13, obviously, right. is a big one. But the Psalm 23 seems to have been coming up lately Yeah, a lot. That's good. Good reminder. Man, I appreciate we've covered a lot. Um, I enjoyed um, sitting down and talking a little more, more about sports, but also hearing about your face. I appreciate it. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you having me out, Stuart. You bet. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and hearing from Jackson and his testimony, his story, um, and just an encouragement to me. Uh, I hope you got a glimpse of that in the conversation that you just listened to. I know the time that I spent talking to him on the phone prior to and then sitting down and recording that episode, I just have left so encouraged, so um, fired up for life um, because he just loves loves life, he loves God, and he loves people, and just a great example of that. Um, just on the sports side, just an incredible story. I mean, phenomenal high school career, and then to go from walk-on at SMU to defensive captain and earning a scholarship, um, just a phenomenal um, story. And um, the scripture he he left us with, Psalm 23, 4, um, just says basically, paraphrasing here, that no matter what we're going through, we'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, of darkness. We fear nothing, fear no evil, for God is with us. And just what an incredible reminder for you and me that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we went through in 2018, no matter what we're facing right now as we begin 2019, there's no need to fear evil. There's no need to fear darkness. Because God is right there with us, guiding us every step of the way. And I just hope that's an encouragement for you as you start this new year, just to remember that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, no matter what you're going to face in the months to come, that God is always with you. And he comforts you no matter what you're going through. So I encourage you, if you are encouraged by this episode to Share it with somebody. Share it with your family and friends that they may, too, hopefully, be encouraged. And also, if you were encouraged, I, I would ask you to go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get on these episodes of this podcast, the greater the platform that God gives us to continue to share these stories of sports and faith. And the last thing is, you know, we love to hear from you. You can contact us via our Facebook page. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. Um, you can send us a message. You can keep up to date with events that are coming up, opportunities to pray for us, serve with us, and to give. And also, I would encourage you to go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Again, find out any and everything about us. Contact us. Stay up to date on what's going on, opportunities to pray, serve, and give. Thank you for listening, and until next time.